is Diagnosis Glaucoma with your hosts, Dr. Mona Colleen and Dr. Harry Quigley. Hello, and welcome back to Diagnosis Glaucoma. Today, we're actually going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, which is vision rehabilitation. So glaucoma is a chronic ocular condition, and although we treat with medications, lasers, and surgeries, sometimes there is still some vision loss that can occur. It might not necessarily be visual acuity. It might be something like some loss of peripheral vision or maybe color vision, contrast, that sort of thing. And it can affect the way that someone functions. And I think that a lot of times that doctors and staff and patients don't communicate so well about the kind of functional issues that patients are having with their glaucoma. So in terms of what is low vision, well, there is a definition. Low vision is when the best corrected visual acuity in the better eye is 2050 or worse, when someone has visual field loss, contrast sensitivity loss, or a blind spot. And another thing that causes low vision is that you have some kind of vision problem that interferes with your ability to function. And this could be any kind of your activities of daily living that you're bothered by. And of course, that's very individual. When you say if you're bothered by it, we have people who don't use their eyes much, don't read a lot, and for them, a very modest level of vision is perfectly adequate. So if you ask them, are you bothered? They'll say no. Then we have people who are active tennis players, people who read eight hours a day, those whose jobs require that they work on a computer, and for them, a loss of any from the slightest bit of loss is going to be a significant thing for them. So knowing the patient and knowing the person that we're talking about and what their needs are is really at the heart of whether there's a need for help and rehabilitation. So one thing that is not included on the examination forms when you come to see us is some kind of an indication that records a functional problem that you're having. When you get interviewed by the technician or the doctor, they might ask you, well, what problems are you having? And that's really your opportunity to let them know that you're having a functional issue. I think the question that I ask people the most is, how are you doing with your vision? Is it adequate for you to be happy with your visual activities? And sometimes people look at me and they'll say, well, you just told me I had 20-30 vision. And I'll say, yeah, but I see people with 20-30 vision who are having a difficult time. In fact, I just sent a lady with bilateral 20-20 vision to our reading specialist, our so-called low vision specialist, because she was unable to perform at a very high level in her government job, which required her to be on a computer reading various forms about eight hours a day. And there you go. We heard from Harry about a patient who is very highly functional and has glaucoma and has some kind of a struggle, even though her vision seems to be very good when it gets checked in the clinic. So there are centers you can go to get help with your functional issues. These are called vision rehabilitation centers. In vision rehab, there's a team led by ophthalmologists, optometrists, and occupational therapists that do a very thorough investigation. In vision rehabilitation, they'll check your visual acuity, your peripheral vision, your contrast vision. They'll look for the presence of scotomas. They'll also ask you about your functionality. They might even have you demonstrate performing certain functions like walking, trying to read, etc. 
And they can also do a mental health evaluation to see how you're doing in terms of anxiety, depression, or any kind of feelings that you're having about your condition. The recommendations that they made are really tailored towards you, towards your needs specifically. And sometimes they also do home visits. We should really clear up what low vision is. Low vision doesn't mean that you're blind. This doesn't mean that you're walking around with a white cane and a dog, does it, Harry? You know, the biggest thing that I see is that when we begin to talk to someone about vision rehabilitation or with seeing our Lions Vision Center at the Wilmer Eye Institute, they go, well, oh, no, I'm not blind. I don't need to go see somebody for that. And in fact, I think all of us don't want to be considered non-normal. We all want to be just as intact as we were when we were 21, or if you're 21, as intact as you were when you were 12. And it's not going to happen. To deal with that, to get over the initial reticence to be referred to someone who's going to assist, the usual answer I get as soon as I begin talking about low vision, well, no, I just need a better pair of glasses. If I just had a better pair of glasses, everything would be fine. Well, frankly, if a better pair of glasses was the problem, we already would have fixed it for that person. So we need them to know that what they're going to see in a low vision rehabilitation situation is here's where you are, and you can do better with what function you have, but you're going to need an expert to help you do that. Changing the color on your computer screen, raising the font size, learning to walk more safely so that you don't fall and break your hip. When we treat glaucoma with medications, lasers, and surgeries, we're trying to preserve the vision that you have. But unfortunately, we cannot help you regain the vision that you may have lost and so when you go to vision rehab, they will work with you on functioning better with the kind of vision that you have given your glaucoma. In terms of what kind of vision loss glaucoma patients have, well, that can really vary by patient. What kinds of things do patients complain to you about, Harry? Well, the first, I would say more than anything else, is difficulty in seeing at night and in night driving. I don't know a single human who likes to drive at night. And that, though, is made worse by the presence of glaucoma damage, which hurts the actual night vision and also increases the sensitivity to glare. So that's number two, night driving, night vision, and glare difficulties. The third is reading. And for a period of time in my career, patients who had glaucoma would say to me, well, you know, Dr. Quigley, I really can't read the way I used to anymore. I'll start reading, and 15 minutes later, I just get so tired, my eyes are burning, and I have to stop. Part of that is that we don't blink when we read. We stop blinking. So once you get it lined up, you don't want to mess anything up by doing a lot of blinking, and the eyes dry out. So first, blink more while you're reading, and especially while you're using the computer. But the second was made clearer. When Dr. Pradeep Ramalu, our glaucoma head, did a series of brilliant experiments in which he had people read a very standardized textbook, and he timed how fast they read that book, and he took glaucoma patients and macular degeneration patients and persons who were of the same age who didn't have a visual problem. And the glaucoma patients started out reading as fast as everybody else but slowed down over a 20 or 25 minute period. And what we realized was that the loss of side vision in their eyes due to the glaucoma 
was making it more difficult for them than everybody else to get to the end of a line of print and jump to the next line back at the left again, and then get to the end of the line and jump. And they were missing and getting tired of doing it and pooping out. So to do better with glaucoma in some cases, it means that we have to have you read more slowly and take more rests. But by making it easier to see in lighting and size of print and other special things that can be helped in visual rehabilitation, you can read and enjoy things more. You can't hurt your eyes using them. I think it's a really good idea to talk to your ophthalmologist about your visual field loss. So have them show you your visual field test so you can actually see where you have some peripheral vision loss. So on that test, if your visual field loss is in the inferior part or on the bottom, that means that you probably have a hard time seeing things below. Maybe you're having a harder time taking a step. Or let's say your visual field loss is in the superior part. Maybe you'll have a harder time doing things like opening cabinets or cooking. But in addition to having peripheral vision loss, some glaucoma patients just say that they have areas in their vision that are missing or blurry. So they have a hard time putting everything together and they have to move their head around in different directions to get a good view. The best description I have from patients is that it seems like somebody took half the print ink out of what they're trying to read. What they're describing is loss of contrast sensitivity. And it really makes it harder to do many of the things that we're doing. And as ophthalmologists, we don't necessarily measure contrast sensitivity throughout the whole field of view. We measure it in one little tiny central area, but there aren't good tests of that in the field of vision. So I don't think that we're, as ophthalmologists, quite as good at detecting what the patient has happening to them in a negative way. And the second is, ophthalmologists are surgeons. They're medical doctors. They're trained to say, oh, I have a treatment for that. I have a medicine for that. And when there aren't any more treatments and there aren't any more surgeries, but the person has an established degree of loss from glaucoma, the tendency is the doctor throws their hands up and says, well, there's nothing else I can do. Vision rehabilitation is what else you can do. And if your doctor doesn't recommend it to you, recommend it to yourself and get yourself referred to a low vision center. And how do you find a vision rehab center? Well, you can simply ask your eye doctor. You don't actually need a referral, though. You can just make an appointment on your own. You can also go to the American Academy of Ophthalmology website, and you'll find information on how to find low vision or vision rehab centers around the country. We'll actually post some more information on our website as well. I would say, too, you ought to have your records in your hand when you show up there. Now, the low vision centers will all do a very extensive examination, so they'll be able to tell what your actual situation is. But it might help them tremendously to know what surgeries you've had, how long you've had the disease, what medicines you're taking. So bring all your medicines with you and get the most recent set of notes in paper from your eye doctor's office and bring those with you to the rehab center so they'll have the best chance to help you. So until you get in to see the vision rehab doctor, some things that you can try doing at home are to make things brighter. So use more light, but be careful with your lighting because as Harry mentioned, glare is actually a very big problem for glaucoma patients. Try to make things bigger. So use large print books, maybe a tablet where you can enlarge things. They have large print playing cards, 
all kinds of resources. And you can also try to maximize audio resources like this podcast or the book that we wrote together. There are also talking books. So many libraries, there's a talking books program. The National Library of Congress has a talking books program that's free. Our county library does as well. And during the pandemic, both my wife and I have greatly enjoyed downloading books that we can listen to. In fact, when I came over to do the podcast today, my wife was listening to a book through her little earbuds. She doesn't have vision problems, but it's a wonderful way for you to listen to certain things that otherwise might be difficult for you to see. Other things you can do are to maximize contrast. So Harry mentioned that glaucoma patients can have contrast sensitivity loss. So that means trying to use colors that are very different from one another, whites with blacks, or again, maybe just high contrast, bright colors. You can use high contrast in your home to try to make it more safe. Like for example, a lot of floors are either a plain white or a plain brown. You can throw some colorful rugs on the ground that'll help you see better, maybe prevent a fall at home. You might want to also invest in some brightly colored shoes because when you go to places like even the hospital, the floors tend to be pretty plain colored. So if you have some brightly colored shoes or clothes, then you might be less likely to fall as well. Falls are a huge issue. Probably the best thing that's gone on in our clinical research area for the last few years has been investigating why people fall. And we thought, well, of course, they've lost their side vision from their glaucoma, so that must be the biggest single factor. And it turned out that about 1.5 times a year, one of our glaucoma patients has fallen sufficiently that there was injury or an ER visit associated with it. And when Dr. Romelu looked into that as part of a team of people here at our glaucoma center, he found out that it's a variety of things, including body strength, balance, glaucoma being part of it, age, medications. There's just a whole ton of things that lead to falls that are one of the most important things leading to people winding up in assisted living or a nursing home instead of living independently. Oh my goodness, we didn't talk about driving yet. I just thought about that, actually. So with driving, if you find that you're struggling on the road, it doesn't mean that you can't drive, but you might need to go through some driving training, which can be done at your local MBA, and you can get information from a vision rehab center. People say, oh, well, you know, I've been driving for 45 years and I've never had an accident. Yeah, but 45 years ago, you didn't have glaucoma and your reflexes were better and your arms and legs were stronger. So while we want everybody to maintain as independent a life as they possibly can, and believe me, having had relatives older than I and now at my age, knowing how important it is to be independently able to drive, to get to food, to get to social activities, to get to my job, I know that losing the ability to drive is a huge deal. And on the other hand, if you're not safe driving, you don't want to back over one of your grandchildren in the driveway and then later say, oh, gee, I guess I shouldn't have been driving. So there are ways, as Mona was just saying, to be tested by an expert and prove to yourself and to the system that you still are capable of safely driving a car. These days, there's lots of ride share programs, so you can still get around, even if you're not the one who's able to drive. And you don't have to be dependent on a family member or a friend. 
Another thing to try is I actually heard about this program called Go Go Grandparent. It's kind of like one of those ride shares, but instead of them, the driver, just kind of sending you a text message, the driver will actually call you on the phone, let you know that they're there, and they'll come to where you are. So they'll come to your door or to wherever you're standing. They'll introduce themselves and they'll take you to the car. There are, of course, with the public transit systems, things that are available to people to take them to doctor's appointments. Many of my patients come to me by the county ride or other systems. So look into your local municipal services where you can get these kinds of abilities to not drive. Because after all, some of us hate to drive and it'd be nice to have somebody else to take you there in a bus or in some kind of shuttle service. All right, Harry, here's one more question. I actually was just asked this the other day. I have a patient who told me that he started seeing things that weren't there. He has advanced glaucoma. He said he was scared that maybe he was hallucinating. Like he knew that the thing that he saw wasn't there, but he still saw it. What do you think about that? A famous Frenchman, Charles de Bonnet, the Bonnet phenomenon. And this is something that is so common that when we asked patients to tell us under very confidential conditions whether they had seen shapes or tile patterns or things that look like a tree in the wintertime with no leaves on it against a light background, the branching patterns, 30% of people who had significant glaucoma damage said, yes, they had seen such things. And of course, they're terrified by it. They're bothered by it. But the most important difference between the Bonnet phenomenon and hallucinations is in hallucinations, the people you're seeing talk to you or you're actually hearing things. There's no auditory portion of the Bonnet phenomenon. It's all visual stuff. And it's usually happening to a person who has very significant loss of side vision when they're not paying attention to much of anything else. And what we understand is that your eyes are normally sending a tremendous amount of information to your brain. And so that place in your brain where that information is all arriving is very busy looking at all this stuff. And now here, that information's not coming. There's large blank areas. And in those blank areas, your brain, being an interesting organ, decides to start playing a movie for you. And the movie can be patterns. Some people think that the patterns you're seeing are actually the patterns of the nerve cells in the visual part of the brain. I'm not sure that's true, but they certainly are disturbing, and they can be as real as seeing a person or seeing a car. But if you know that it's not your brain's going bad, and you know that it's something that's only happening because of your vision loss, most people can adjust to it very quickly. By the way, if you go online and you look up this B-O-N-N-E-T, Bonnet Phenomenon, you'll see that there, oh, there are treatments for this. None of those treatments work. Some of them involve FDA-approved drugs for schizophrenia and some other disorders. And I would strongly urge you not to try to do medical therapy to get rid of these visual things that you see. So if you experience this Charles Bonnet phenomenon, you are not crazy. It happens to many glaucoma patients. And you've heard it from Harry and I, there are people who are in very busy, demanding types of professions and who have very active lifestyles who have glaucoma. 
So if you're listening to this and you feel like your vision is off, like you're not able to do your favorite activity anymore, just know that there are options for you and you can still lead a very healthy, happy, and active lifestyle. My godmother, who passed away at 104 years old for the last 15 years of her life, used computer-assisted magnification to do her checkbook, to write beautiful handwritten letters. She had been an artist during her life, always prided herself on her beautiful handwork and other issues. And by using computer-assisted magnification at age 92, 3, 4, she was able to lead a life that wasn't totally what she would have hoped, but it was better than sitting, watching television, or just moping. But what it took was a person of that age who was willing to try something new. And we all know how hard it is to change what we're doing, to try to do something new. But if you get over it and get appropriate help, the quality of your life is going to be better. For those of you who are looking for more examples of other individuals who have vision loss and are thriving, one I would recommend is to check out Zoe the Seeing Eye Dog. The owner of Zoe the Seeing Eye Dog is a former patient who had glaucoma from an early age and diabetic retinopathy that caused her to have severe vision loss. Well, she went on to persist and actually graduated from Harvard Law School. She's an advocate for patients and does all kinds of great work. You can find her on Instagram and on Facebook, Zoe the Seeing Eye Dog. Well, thanks everyone for joining us and we will be with you again next time. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, your mom says take your drops.